United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, grateful to each and every one of you for listening. And based on our numbers, it is clear that you are listening. I appreciate you spreading the word. It means so much. And as you know, if you have been listening, we try to stay current on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And of course, last week at the U.S. Soccer AGM, it was announced that United Soccer Coaches for the moment has withdrawn its proposed U.S. Soccer Federation bylaw amendment with a commitment from the at-large members of the federation that they will work with the coaches association to get a board vote for united soccer coaches in 2021 an issue for the at-large members has been the weighting of votes for their board member between large and smaller organizations now as a longtime member of u.s soccer in the associate member category for organizations that don't register players United Soccer Coaches has all rights and responsibilities of any member, except associate members have no vote for the board member that represents them. And Lynn Berlin Manuel and the legal team behind United Soccer Coaches has been pushing to change that. And now they're going to take the time, thanks to particularly a solid steward in Mike Cullina, and Mike Colina is the at-large board member for U.S. Soccer, and he is going to steward, for lack of a better word, a push to get United Soccer coaches that vote. Mike Colina, among other things, has been a longtime member of United Soccer Coaches, but he's getting it done everywhere. He's the chairman of the board for U.S. Club Soccer. He is the president of the Virginia Premier Soccer Leagues. And, as luck would have it, he's the executive director of Prince William Soccer and the Virginia Development Academy, and as I say, as luck would have it, well, if you listen to the show, you know that I've been evergreening some great interviews at the 2020 convention in Baltimore, where we spent time with people at all levels of coaching and even psychologists, you name it, we covered it, and we were able to spend time with Rob Cheshire, who actually works with Mike Cullina at Prince William Soccer and Prince William Courage, and Mike Cullina talks about his passion for the game, which is similar. Similar to Mike's, and that is, among other things, helping mold these young soccer players, not just on the soccer field, but helping them become great young adults and perhaps future leaders in the community. I really like that tie in. I like that message from both Mike and Rob. Lynn Berlin Manuel, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, Mike Cullina, the at-large board member for U.S. Soccer, who's going to take the year, work with Lynn, work with others to see if United Soccer coaches can, in fact, get this bylaw passed to get a vote on the board. And then don't forget Mike as executive director of Prince William Soccer, a natural tie-in to also spend a little time with one of his key employees, Rob Cheshire. And we'll start with Lynn Burley manuel after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. As I said, off the top, we are going to give you an update on the U.S. Soccer Bylaw Amendment proposal as dated last February 17, 2020. United Soccer Coaches has withdrawn its proposed U.S. Soccer Federation Bylaw Amendment with a commitment from the at-large members of the Federation that they will work with the Coaches Association to get on a board vote for United Soccer Coaches in 2021. I'm going to read a quote now from the guest that will follow, Lynn Burley-Manuel, the CEO, and that's from Mike Kona, the at-large board member of U.S. Soccer. He says, quote, the at-large members believe in principle that every member of U.S. Soccer should have representation in the boardroom. The members of the at-large are committed to working together toward a comprehensive review of the bylaw with the goal of bringing an amendment to the floor of this council in 2021 we can all support. Now, end quote, an issue for the at-large members has been the weighting of votes for their board member between large and smaller organizations. Okay, if your head's spinning, I apologize. And even as Lynn Burley Manuel joins us, she may have a giggle at that as Sometimes it's hard to figure it all out, Lynn, but here we go again, but it looks like we're going again with uh, some focus and some support. What do you think? I feel I feel good about the uh, the outcome of, of the weekend. Um, it's, a, it's a tad bittersweet because I'm competitive and I prefer to win, but at the same time, I think this is a very practical and fair approach to how we go forward as an association. Politics at any level, including soccer, are a complicated and often rather obscure thing to get into. And I think it's easy for folks to ignore it at any level. But the reality is it affects your lives. And that's the reason that we thought it was important to start this journey in the first place, and we think it's important to complete this journey. It's just completing a little differently than we had anticipated. Well, now remember, a longtime member of U.S. Soccer and associate member category for organizations that don't register players, United Soccer Coaches has all rights and responsibilities of any member except associate members have no vote for the board member that represents them. I also want to remind you that the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council, which has also been in this membership category, co-sponsored the bylaw amendment with United Soccer Coaches. All right, so Mike has stepped out and said, I'm going to lead it, Mike Kona, as I just talked about. What do you think that means is I'm going to lead it? Because one thing that he is going to talk about after you is that there's 17 other, quote, associations that are affected by this decision. So if you can, sort of layer in the details on that. It's an interesting phenomenon. United Soccer Coach is one of the things that makes us different than most of the other associations and organizations in soccer in America is we're actually not a governance entity. We're not a governing body. We are a service body. We provide service and community and education for coaches. We don't mandate. We don't declare rules. And frankly, I think that's what makes us so useful and, and frankly, so so derives so much loyalty from our members is exactly that reason. U.S. soccer is built around a pretty complicated governance system. And most people don't realize it and totally understand that. Why would you? But it does affect a lot of the factors for all of our jobs and all of the things we do in soccer. In this case, there is an athlete council that represents the U.S. national team athletes. There is a professional council that represents the pro leagues. There is a youth council that represents the largest of the youth organizations. 
and there's an adult council that represents the adult soccer, and each of those councils have one, two, or three board members. Any organization that doesn't fall into one of those four categories is kind of lumped together as at-large members. They don't get the official title of council, but they are a group that is represented by a single board member who sits at the, at the table in the boardroom. And Mike is right. There are many organizations, both large and small, included in that at-large group. The largest is U.S. Club Soccer and AYSO. I don't even know the smallest. One of the newest organizations that was a, was provisionally approved at this board meeting or at this meeting this week actually was the Cerebral Palsy Soccer Association, which is very very small. So it represents a very diverse cross section of folks. And the difference between United Soccer Coaches and all the other members, or just about all the other members, is that we don't register players. We actually represent coaches. And that has been some of the crux of the angst. In 2006, U.S. Soccer reorganized its board and its governance structure. It went from a gigantic board of well over 40 members, which is impossible, to a much smaller board of about 14. And that process required, I mean, at one time, the United Soccer Coaches, then the NCAA, actually sat on the board and had a board seat representing the associate members. However, it, it was a ridiculous system. Too big, too cumbersome, couldn't get anything done, went to a smaller board. That makes perfect sense. But there were a lot of compromises that got made. And a lot of positions sort of collapsed in together to ultimately create this council structure. However, for whatever reason, and this is not specifically stated in the bylaws, it is a, a memory and interpretation and whatever, that somehow at that time there was a feeling that organizations that represented players were actually the important organizations. And coaches and referees and fans and others who did not register players would be handled in a different way, and they would not get a, a voice in the boardroom. We do, however, have the responsibility to, you know, again, review and vote, and vote for the budget, to vote for the national officers, uh, to approve or disapprove any bylaw motions. We can actually even run for that at-large board seat. The only thing we cannot do is actually vote for it. So when we got into this two years ago, from our perspective, it was a very small ask. We want to have a small voice in the boardroom of U.S. soccer because the actions of U.S. soccer in oh so many ways affect our members at every level, college, pro, high school, youth. Now, a small voice may not seem like an important thing, but at the very least, it put coaches in the room or a representative of coaches in the room. And that did turn out to be what we thought was an almost embarrassingly small ask, but we walked into a very complicated structure. And to Mike's point, there are many diverse organizations in that at-large group. This year, we took a step back. Again, it was a tad bittersweet for me. I won't deny that but said, yes, we will be part of helping to find a comprehensive solution. We will hold our bylaw for this period of time where we seek this more comprehensive solution. And Mike's been a tremendous mediator, a good leader in this process. If we cannot find a solution, well, we'll have to go back to the drawing board and think about other approaches to this. 
but we are very on board with finding that positive solution. One of the things that Mike will talk about is, and uh, I think he's right, he's like, look, Lynn Burley Manuel is one of the smartest people in soccer. We respect that. The lawyer, or lack, for lack of a better word, the legal term behind it, very smart as well. But his question was, does Todd Yagley or Becky Burley, for instance, as college coaches, and, you know, pick a high school coach at any level, do they care? And what's your answer to that, Lynn? You know, I don't want them to have to care, quite honestly, and I'll explain that. United Soccer Coaches does a lot of things for its members from our perspective. And, you know, education and learning and information and news is a big part of that. But another very big part of it from our perspective is the advocacy for coaches. And that takes many forms. We have a full-time employee whose sole job is to work between our coaches at all levels and the NCAA, for example, advocating for what soccer coaches need. We work with the National Federation of High Schools on rules and other kinds of issues that affect our high school coaches. The thing about you about U.S. soccer is that the actions that it takes in many ways affects every coach. Now, just like most politics, most of us want our representatives to simply represent us well. We don't necessarily want to know all the details behind it. We almost don't want to have to care because we elect somebody or we put somebody in place who we think will represent our interests. That, for me and our board of directors, is the really crux of this matter, which is, does a youth coach need to be concerned about, you know, having a voice in the U.S. soccer boardroom? No, but if U.S. soccer takes an action that affects their life, their journey, their job, I hope that they are happy that there is somebody at the table at least paying attention to their interests. For college coaches, College is impacted significantly by U.S. soccer activities, both for good and for challenging. And, again, it is simply having their voice be available in the boardroom. So do our members, are they passionate about this issue? I hope not, to be very honest, because I'm hoping that in the end, as a coaches association, that part of our job is really to represent the entire group and help keep their issues and their needs in front of decision makers. So are we successful every time? Maybe not. But our job is to protect the coach's journey. And we look at the world through a very singular lens, which is the lens of a coach. And that's our job. So he's right in the sense for me as CEO, this is part of my job. For Andy Hiley, who is a member of our board and a law professor at Loyola University, who has assisted in a lot of this process, it's very of great concern to him. But it's because we're surrogates in some ways, is that our job is to represent all those thousands of coaches who shouldn't have to think about this. That's part of what they play for as a member of United Soccer Coaches. So now that we know that Mike has gone on record, and again, he's coming up next on record as well, talking about uh, being a steward, for lack of a, a better word, to get this right. Lynn, how do we make sure that it's not just put baby in the corner, that stuff is actually getting done and they are connecting the dots? How do you make sure that happens? 
I think, again, it's important that our association is represented in that process, whether it is me or another representative of the association. I don't want to have thousands and thousands of coaches to have to worry or think about this. I want a couple of folks to be at the table as this process goes on. Mike has been terrific, I, I have to say. He has a difficult job because his board position represents a wide diversity of organizations, including us. But there are other organizations, I won't say similar to us, but have similar issues. The referees get brought up all the time. Well, if we let the coaches in, then we have to let the referees in. I don't think that's a bad thing, honestly. I think that's worth considering how do the these other constituencies get represented in the room. So my job, from my perspective, is to help keep everybody honest. But, but quite honestly, even as I say that, I found nothing but a positive response from the at-large council. Each is concerned about their own issues, absolutely. The big organizations like U.S. Club Soccer or AYSO, who represent hundreds of thousands of players, coaches and referees from their perspective, they're going to need a bigger voice, and I get that. But smaller organizations still need to be at the table. And I think I can count on Mike to do that. Mike's been a member of United Soccer Coaches for 20 years. He was a coach. Today he's an executive director of a club. He's the chairman of the board of U.S. Club Soccer. So he gets it. And and I simply appreciate the level head and the courtesy and the graciousness that he's brought to the table to work with us. So rather than jam them up, at this year's convention for the greater good, which at the end of the day has to include the good of coaches. But for the greater good, you know, we took a step back and said, okay, let's pause, let's reflect, and let's find that comprehensive solution. So we're there to help and keep an eye on making that happen. So then let's look forward with the crystal ball. Remind us where next year's AGM is going to be and where we think and we hope this will get passed so United Soccer Coaches will have a vote. Where is that going to be and when is that going to happen? They announced on Sunday that it will be in Atlanta, and they haven't announced a date yet, although it is generally mid-February of each year. So 2021, I mean, for us, the deadline to submit bylaws is a some certain number of days prior to the annual meeting. This year it was uh, October 18th. So we look at having a resolution to this issue that is acceptable to all no later than, say, midsummer, which the group, you know, said, yep, we can, we'll work towards those deadlines. So that if for whatever reason, you know, we cannot come to terms, we cannot find a way forward, there is still time for United Soccer Coaches and other organizations who potentially fit into this category can find an alternate way forward because we still continue to think it's important. One other point I want to make is that this bylaw was co-sponsored by the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council, which represents all sports for all branches of the military, which is tons. It's kind of astonishing. I mean, they do a World Games event that was held in China this year. It's sort of off the general public view, but it's an enormous program. They have been in the same category as us because they don't register their players with U.S. Soccer. However, an alternate path forward was found for them because they are player-focused 
And although it's a somewhat different structure, they received preliminary approval by the board this year, at the board meeting this weekend, to become an, a, a national affiliate, which would give them that vote. They still stepped up and made the statement, sent a letter, the whole works, however, saying, you know, we are still absolutely behind this for all parties because we believe in the concept of fair representation. So I do want to thank the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council. They were tremendous partners in this process, and I think also saw that bigger vision that every member in good standing of U.S. soccer needs some voice in the boardroom. Lynn, finally, knowing that you've got that competitive fire and you've stated very articulately the reasons why it's important to have this voice and this vote, if we fast forward to Atlanta, give me the reaction of how you think you'll feel if it does pass, and then also, if you don't mind, give me your reaction and how you feel if it doesn't pass. Well, if we find a way forward and get that voice in the boardroom, I will be a happy camper. And, and relieved. This has been a surprising journey. It seemed in the beginning a very small thing. It has turned into a much larger proposition perhaps than I had imagined. If we don't get it next year, quite honestly, we will keep coming back to the table. We will look for new ways forward. We will analyze the bylaws deeper. They're a strange set of bylaws, as almost everybody agrees, but we do not want to let coaches lose this opportunity. It may not seem big to some, but coaches are too often, in our opinion, an afterthought. And the game doesn't go forward without them and their commitment and the time and the ability to make this either a career or a part-time proposition or even come to the table as volunteers. So we will go forward. However, I am very, very hopeful at this point and, and, and enthusiastic about finding that compromise position with the rest of the at-large council. And again, I know that Mike is leading the way and I really value that. All right, and Mike Kona is coming up next. Lynn Berling Manuel, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches. Thank you so much for getting us up to date on where we are on this very important issue. And thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help, and who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches. Membership with United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Staff. 
We're giving you an update on the U.S. Soccer Bylaw Amendment proposal. Remember, as we spent time with the CEO, Lynn Burley-Manuel, I read the quote that was printed from Mike Cullina, who is the at-large board member of U.S. Soccer, among other things. I'll get to that in a moment. But I'll repeat the quote as he says, quote, The at-large members believe in principle that every member of U.S. Soccer should have representation on the boardroom. The members of the at-large are committed to working together toward a comprehensive review of the bylaw with the goal of bringing an amendment to the floor of this council in 2021. We can all support. With that as the backdrop, we told you he'd be on. And Mike Cullina joins us now. He is, as I said, an at-large board member of U.S. Soccer. He's also the chairman of the board for U.S. Club Soccer. He's also the president of the Virginia Premier Soccer League, as well as the executive director of Prince William Soccer and the Virginia Development Academy. That's a lot. The man loves the sport. And if you follow him, you can tell also he's appreciating the platform the sport has given him, and he doesn't take it for granted. And as Lynn said, he is going to try to be a steward for the United Soccer Coaches as they consider this, and he joins us now. Mike, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome, Dean. Yeah, let's kind of start in general because I told you in general, Lynn, by the way, singing your praises, glad that uh, you're going to help in some sense champion it and bring everybody together because there's like 17 other entities involved in this whole process. So just at its core, kind of give us your take on what United Soccer Coaches in combination, as it's important to point out, what the U.S. Armed Forces Sports Council wants to get done. The first thing I think it's important to separate the two organizations. They're distinctly different. The Armed Forces represents players, and they obviously represent players who are in the military around not only the country but around the globe. So they are uniquely different, and that was one of the sticking points the last couple of years of the bylaw is that while they were both in the bucket called the associate members, they were distinctly different. And so now that Armed Forces has qualified for and chosen to take a path of becoming a, a national affiliate, the last remaining member of U.S. soccer without representation in the boardroom is United Soccer Coaches. That doesn't preclude other potential soccer organizations from joining U.S. soccer and then becoming one of these associate members. So the objection, if you will, or the concern across the membership, not only in the at-large group, but also the rest of the organizations in U.S. soccer is Pandora's box, if you will, of additional associate members. So it really isn't about rejecting, if you will, the coaches having a voice. I don't think there's any objection to that at all. It's just ensuring that we close that loophole a little bit and make some sense of of how we get there. So that's item number one. And then the other piece is because United Soccer Coaches would be one of 18 in that group and the other 17 all do represent players, and the business model, if you will, are, are distinctly different. It's important to look at how the voting strength in those organizations would be affected because they are, you know, they're just different in terms of the, the not their importance to the sport, but, but how they function and who they represent. But that is a backdrop. Once Armed Forces got, you know, their membership approved, it became clear this weekend that we really needed to take a, a step back and, look at this from a different perspective. And so that's how the conversation started this weekend. And that's where we are now. 
And how do you feel about being the steward? Like, what does that mean exactly? And I'm not asking for every detail on what's going to need to get done, but obviously there is some work to do. So as you think about pushing this forward, what's uh, kind of top of the list? We think it's incredibly important that as a group of at-large members, we can collectively support. You know, ultimately, this bylaw affects one board seat, the board seat I'm privileged to sit in now, and those are voted on by the at-large members. So while we certainly respect the other councils, youth, adults, and, of course, the athletes, ultimately, they shouldn't have a tremendous say over how we organize our own voting structures. With So we want to ensure that when we walk into Atlanta next year, we can unanimously support this, and then I think it would be much easier to gain the support from the other councils and ensure that this flies through by acclamation would be the ideal scenario for sure. That's the first thing, is just ensuring that the other 17 members or so are very comfortable with what we've done, fixing the voting strength, and then closing the loophole that would allow other non-player registration organizations from being able to gain membership as another affiliate, and if you get enough of those willing to spend the money to do it, would they be able to essentially buy a board seat, if you're just being frank about it? Now, I don't know that anyone thinks that that's going to happen, but it's important to think about these things and put everybody at ease. So we just want to review that and make sure that that's taken care of. Yeah, it's covering all the bases for sure. Well, one of the things that I left off in rattling off all the great accomplishments that you're actively doing now is you've been a very happy member of United Soccer Coaches, previously NSCAA, for quite a long time. So clearly the organization is one that you value. So that probably also was a key point in you saying, hey, let me help. Again, I'll use this word for lack of a better word, steward this. Is that fair to say? Oh, there's no question. I think I joined in 95, went through all the courses. I did two lectures at the convention in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. Would look forward to an invitation in Anaheim next year if I'm able to make it as well. So United Soccer Coaches is a tremendous part of my personal growth and development back in the days when they were a complement education resource to federation licensing pathway, if you will. It was really important to me, and the convention, obviously, every year is, is a highlight of the year. So there's no question that from a personal level, I would love to see get this done because I know the tremendous work they do, not only for coaches but through advocacy and all the advocacy groups that have, have been working so hard. There's no question about that. And one of the challenges I have as you rattled off the – insanity is that it's important to put on the appropriate hat when I'm wearing it, but it's you always understand your roots, and, and United Soccer Coaches is part of my roots for sure. That's a phenomenal answer. So I'll ask you the same question that I asked Lynn, and your answer might be the same. So when we do get to Atlanta next year, if, in fact, this bylaw gets passed, how will you feel? If it does not get passed, how will you feel? And perhaps on that one slash, what will you do? I think we'll take that next year as we get to it. Our focus right now is to ensure that we get the committee together, use the momentum from Nashville to put together a, a bylaw that will get passed. So we're here with Mike Colonna, and because I rattled off all the other things he did, I told him that once we got over kind of his assessment on what they got to do, which I think he articulated very well, I also want to talk about his other roles. So let's move to the chairman of the board at U.S. 
club soccer. Tell us uh, what that entails and why you also took that on as part of your, quote, insanity, which I thought was a great word. Being a part of U.S. club soccer is an interesting process for me of how that all came about. We don't have to get into the details there, but, you know, what we're focused on now is aligning our own internal pathway and ensuring that the pyramid in U.S. club soccer becomes much more clear, that our members, our players, our parents, our coaches, our clubs understand the pathway that we have one U.S. club champion through various competition pathways. Obviously, we have a number of NPLs. We're fortunate to sanction the ECNL. And so getting all of those organizations on the same wavelength, if you will, and working in concert is not an easy task, but it's one worth undertaking. And so our board has been hard at work, and working with the ECNL board has been extremely receptive and, and positive and building a more appropriate pyramid, if you will, within U.S. club soccer. And, and so that has been largely our undertaking over the last year, and I think we're finally getting to a point where we're starting to see some positive results from, from that work. So hopefully over the coming days and weeks when you saw these, you know, announcement in the convention where they're open to creating opportunities for our other member leagues to compete in their platform. So that, that's the work we've been doing, and we think it's really important. And uh, to kind of clean up the, the jargon, if you will, and make sense of where your child is playing and why. We'll continue to follow that. In fact, to remind everybody that uh, Christian Labors will be on the program in a couple weeks as well, giving his take on some of those topics as well. Okay, let's move to the Virginia Premier Soccer League. Tell us what you can about uh, the Virginia Premier Soccer League and your role as president there. It's a small club, the club league. It was formed really out of necessity, if you will, in our market. Our girls last year were the first non-ECNL division or conference to become a member of the regional league platform, and that's that's obviously growing and expanding. And so that pilot, we're in the middle of year one and, and learning from our league's perspective, but also from ECNL's perspective, what works well and what doesn't to create, again, that pyramid. On the boys' side, we're, we're proud members of the ENPL, and, and that's been a tremendous platform over the last couple of years in the growth of bringing all the NPLs together this year. The finals are in Colorado, and so we're certainly excited to, to send our league champions to Colorado for the ENPL, and we're excited to send our 15-, 16-year-old girls winners to Greensboro for the ECNL Open Cup. So it's part of the role within U.S. Club as well as we've been able to take a relatively small but forward-thinking league and, and help build out this platform and pyramid within U.S. Club soccer. And so it's been very helpful as the chairman of the board to be able to work at it from this position as well then bring some of the, the lessons learned to our full board to discuss. That's where we are now, and we've just finished our state championships, if you will, the State Cup, if you will, I know there's a, a number of them, but, but but our cup competition just completed this past weekend and, and really was successful with, with tremendous growth from outside of our league participating. So that's where our league is. I like it, and I like uh, how it ties into everything you're doing. Now, before we get to your role as Executive Director of Prince William Soccer and, and Virginia Development Academy, among the other things that I like about you is the 513 area code is you know, if you listen to this show, I'm from Ohio. So, Mike, give us uh, the two-minute elevator speech on, you know, where you grew up, how you got into soccer, and how you found your way to the Prince William area. Yes, yeah, so my father was in the military. Every three years or so, we picked up and we moved around the globe. And um, my four years were spent in Heidelberg, Germany, and uh, 
became Germany while I was there. It was West Germany when I started. And then when I moved back, I ended up in Kansas in college and tooled around the Midwest and, I don't know, a dozen or more years of ODP and state director of coaching at one point and running clubs. And I was at a great club called Ohio Elite in Cincinnati, Ohio, and unfortunately lost my brother to brain cancer, and we decided that we were going to move to the Virginia area where the rest of my family was. So we just put the house up and moved, and it was really a blur how we ended up at Prince William and then ended up into this seat five or six years ago, but that's that's the that's the Cliff Notes version. Certainly, we're so sorry about uh, your brother, but definitely appreciate your commitment to your family and your commitment to the game, and that leads us to Prince William Soccer coming up after you, a, a young man that uh, does a great job working in soccer, Rob Cheshire, who I was able to sit down with at the convention in Baltimore. We'll talk about uh, kind of the ins and outs of working for a club like Prince William Soccer. I think you'll enjoy his comments, a good man. And, you know, as you think about uh, Prince William Soccer and even Rob Cheshire, I guess what's the best way to describe what you love most about that job? The people, the staff. It's impossible to do what I do on a regional or national level without that staff. I'm not just Rob, but, but the entire team there that really allows me to think and be involved in some of these other things. It's a tremendous soccer culture there in Woodbridge, Virginia. And so we are pushed every day to, to be better at what we do. We've been able to build a tremendous partnership with the Virginia Soccer Association in developing VDA. And that collaboration is now five years old and has become a really proud thing for all of us that are involved in it. So, you know, that that entire staff, our people, the soccer culture there in, in Northern Virginia is the best part of what I do. Obviously, the football is tremendous as well, but just being able to work with that team is certainly uh, something I'm proud of. And before we meet Rob Cheshire, which we will do after our next message, I'm just going to have you fill in the blank, Mike, uh, the best way you can. But uh, youth soccer in the United States is important because? <laughs> well, it's it's certainly one of the sports that is replacing physical education. You know, we're developing young people, future leaders. You know, this sport has been wonderful for me. And I think that being able to use the sport as a platform to develop future leaders is, is critically important. I applaud your commitment as a leader in so many ways, as we mentioned. Uh, and I know, uh, you know, we were kidding when you talk about the insanity, but you do it because you love it, which, uh, you know, makes any part of that insanity worth it indeed. So, Mike, thanks for all you're doing for the sport because you're making a difference. And I know on behalf of Lynn Burley Manuel, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches, because she said it and told me to say it to you. Thank you so much for your work on this bylaw and for being on the podcast. We do appreciate it. You're welcome, Dean. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And as we just talked about, we'll meet one of his staff members, Rob Cheshire, after this message. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Teams. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean Linky here, Podcast Row 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. One of the great things about the convention, as you've heard me say so many times this entire week, as these will be aired throughout the next several months, is this is for everybody. You can be high school, you can be college, you can be pro, you can be youth. That's our future. And we're pleased to be joined by a man who's making a difference in the youth side of it, Rob Cheshire. He's the Director of Operations and Girls Director of Coaching for Prince William Courage. Actually, not that far from here, right? What kind of drive was it for you? Yeah, it's about an hour to get up here. You know, we're just outside of Washington, D.C. For me, I'm a little bit north of where we're at. Not too bad of a drive here as long as you don't hit rush hour. So let's get your background because usually people that are working in operations or working for clubs, they played soccer as a youth. They played college. Tell us how you got here. Yeah, so uh, I'm a military brat and uh, grew up playing the game all around the U.S., specifically Woodbridge, Virginia, where we're located out of, was uh, kind of my last stop along the, the military brat line. Made my way out to WVU for school and came back. You know, I, I knew a lot of the coaches that were in the club having played there as, a, as my last stop. Specifically, I had some really good mentors that I had had. My uh, high school history teacher, his name was Mike Yates, and he was the executive director at the time for Prince William Courage. And then Ken Krieger, who um, I grew up with his daughter a little bit, used to hang out with Allie in, in the high school ages, and he was the technical director. So those were my two kind of ends within the organization. The other person that you know I'd be remiss to mention, was her, her name was Liz Mumley. She was a former player for Ken Krieger and kind of happened one night where she was like, hey, why don't you you know come out and help me coach? And it just kind of spiraled from there to, to kind of getting into the program. Yeah, so you are doing some coaching, but I mean, you're essentially running the the root zone of this club and there's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. Yes, I kind of started with the coaching aspect and, and got into what do you have available, you know, and, and you know, started to grow into the club from doing grassroots stuff, you know, working with younger kids and then, you know, even starting to pick up some of the operation stuff, starting to hang around the fields, watching different games, watching uh, kind of the development uh, of where we were going and, and started to really get into the field aspect and the day-to-day -day stuff. It kind of just grew from there. The club had a, had somebody before me that was what they technically called their operations manager. He moved on and, and I kind of stepped into that role having kind of spent two years or so kind of doing odd jobs in and around the organization and it's kind of grown from there. Rob, what's the best part of your job with Prince William Courage and what's the part that keeps you up at night sometimes? <laughs> I've worn several hats within Prince William. Uh, you know, it went from operations manager into director of operations. I've run tournaments. You know, obviously I do some stuff on the coaching side as well. My favorite part is the people I interact with and the people I work with. Overall, the, the organization itself, I enjoy coming to work every day for the people, with the people I work with. I'm trying to better the community, trying to better the kids and the players that we have within the organization. Bigger picture, just trying to spread our philosophy of growing the game of soccer to give back to the community in the area. Things that keep me up at night, besides my, my young daughter. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, my, by the thank way. Thank you, I appreciate that. You know, there's not a lot that keeps me up at night on that. I mean, you know, when I was doing tournaments, that was that was one just because of the, the buildup and everything that goes into it. And it's so, you can do a lot of work on the front end and not be rewarded on the back end for it. But other than that, I mean, look, we get up every day and we work within the youth game. I'm not wearing Dean Linky shirt and tie all the time mm -hmm. having to do things. You know, it's pretty casual and it's relaxing for the most 
most part. I, I don't have the stress that a lot, I see a lot of my, my friends and colleagues at times have, so there's not much that keeps me up at night for that stuff. With this role that you totally enjoy, what is your long-term goal? Is it being like a Mike Cullen and being on the board, or is it being with Major League Soccer? What do you want to do long-term, Rob? I really enjoy the youth game. Like I, I really enjoy the kids, from the young ones to the old ones. And the stuff they say, uh, I mean, just cracks me up day to day, and the stuff they come up with. But also, I enjoy trying to help lead them and build the leaders for tomorrow and guide them in the direction that is the correct path for them because it's not all the same. And so it's ever-changing that development. You know, so for me, you know, I, I think one day I kind of aspired to, to lead my own club or organization, whether that be a nonprofit that's directly within the youth game or some other type of nonprofit, but something that continues to benefit the youth of, of today and tomorrow. I don't necessarily have the political ambition to get into that, but if that's the direction that I need to get into to help make change or influence things, you know, I'm certainly not against it. But I think for me, it's kind of a, a little bit less and more of a direct impact with the day-to-day -day lives of, of today's youth. If people want to learn more about Prince William Courage that are listening to this that might be in that area, where can they learn more? Yeah, I mean, you can visit our website at pwsi.org. You're welcome to stop by the clubhouse. We're open pretty much four days a week. Monday is kind of the off day at the clubhouse, getting ready for the weekend. I feel like our website's pretty encompassing, but, you know, you're welcome to stop by, have a conversation with us. Most of us are in the office most days. Love talking shop, love talking about the program and talking about the community. Director of Operations and Girls Director of Coaching. Rob, say your last name so I say it the right way. Cheshire, like the cat. Okay, I feel like that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, you're Did good. I get it right? Yeah, okay. you're all right. You're doing just awesome. fine with that. All right, C-H-E-S-H-I-R-E. -E. Last question for you. Your greatest moment in soccer so far, whether it's with the club, whether it's an experience because you're with the club, college, whatever. For me, the greatest experience, I've had I've had so many of them. Mine's definitely not as a player. It's, it, it's definitely as a coach. It's... Uh, Honestly, I think my greatest experience is the first day of training every year. Um, Love that. The, the, the environment and the excitement within the kids to kind of get back into it and whatnot, I, I think is the day that within the game that I look forward to the most every year is just is just wake, is waiting for that first day of training because everybody's amped and I'm amped and we're, we're just ready to go to work. All right, good cool. stuff. Rob, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure. It's been great getting to know you over the thanks, years. I appreciate and you guys wish you all the best it. of luck. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Prince William Courage, Rob Cheshire, like the cat. And as luck would have it, great to have spent some time with him, particularly since we were able to catch up with Mike Cullen uh, just this week and Lynn Berling Manuel talking about working down the road of passing that bylaw that will give United Soccer Coaches a vote on the board of U.S. Soccer. Lynn Burley Manuel, Mike Cullina, Rob Cheshire. Other thanks, as always, go out to Michael Knipper, Sean Chevrolet, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. And you know what? Each and every one of you, thank you for listening to this program. It continues to gain traction. I continue to appreciate your good words. And if you know somebody that I should talk to or if you want to be on and have a message, feel free to reach out to me at deanclinky at gmail.com and we'll make something happen as we continue to grow the game around our passion for the game that we love. For each and every one of you, once again, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap.